0: Okay, so we are continuing Xin Jin Mei study. We are on the line Dharmas do not differ, yet the deluded desire and cling. Also, another translation there is one Dharma, not many. Distinctions arise from the clinging needs of the ignorant. Distinctions arise from the clinging needs of the ignorant. It's a very uh, charged and important line, actually, this particular translation. So, commentary Dharma is defined in many different ways within the Buddhist tradition. It is the teaching of the historical Buddha, it is also the cosmic law underlying all phenomena in the universe. The two aspects are connected by the understanding that this law existed already before the birth of the historical Buddha who reformulated this universal truth in his own language. And this is a very important point, right? The Buddha did not create or invent anything. He realized and shared, which is what which is actually our responsibility as practitioners, right? To realize and share what we realize. Not as preachers, but as um, becoming a living embodiment of what we realize. So he reformulated, he says here, this universal truth in his own language. And this is also very important because his own language was obviously the language of the time, not just the language, but the way things were and to, to, to formulate it or to, um, to expound it in a way that can be received based on the time, based on the language, based on the traditions of the time. And again, this is our responsibility, always to examine the time we live in and ask not so much how the, what, the, what is the practice, but more how, am I, how can I share it now Right? in this kind of circumstances, in this environment, in this century. It is in, it is in the dharma in this sense that a Buddhist takes refuge. Right, So we take refuge in things being the way they are, or we take refuge in, in us being the way we are. This law or Dharma, as reformulated by the historical Buddha, is the dependent arising of things. As we have discussed earlier, Nagarjuna equated dependent arising with Shunyata, emptiness. A necessary color of dependent arising is transient, so Anitya and also anatman, both of which are folded back into Nagarjuna's Shunyata teaching. For Seng Shunyata is the wider framework within which he speaks the Dharma. It is the realm of non-differentiation or a holographic whole, whole as everything together, as we have been discussing. When one is ignorant of this underlying Dharma, one clings to things according to one's preferences. When one has a taste of this Dharma, one lets go of all clinging. In letting go of all clinging, one also lets go of all preferences. One remains in an equanimous state, regardless of how the phenomena are presenting it to the senses or how we experience life. In equanimity, all distinctions find their resolution. The process of longing, clinging, becoming, longing dash, clinging dash, becoming, comes to an end. Because it's a process that basically feeds itself, right? Longing, clinging, becoming. And then it goes back to longing, clinging, becoming. It comes to an end. The taste of this resolution is nirvana the cessation of all longing and clinging. This taste is the peace, the the, the peace of the path of understanding the path. Behind the world of distinctions, behind any differentiation, there is only dependent arising, Shunyata Dharma, the Tao, the world of freedom. Freedom is not anything abstract. But a being in becoming, being in becoming, free from longing and clinging. So, yeah, let's take a moment and, and examine that. So what he's saying here, what the practice or the teachings are saying, is that when we realize all things as one, then we, should, we let go. We basically stop clinging. Right? It sounds good, right? It sounds like, oh, well, all I have to do is realize it and then I'm no longer going to be clinging, right? It's true, but it doesn't quite work that way in terms of experience, right? Because the cling, while we may realize the clinging is not something we can just switch off, right? So realization, I think, needs to include the fact that clinging is often... Uh, not rational right it's not something i can just drop away or or let go of right it happens it's an automatic response like a knee-jerk reaction that we have to life to situations so what do we do how do we reconcile the fact that it is true that this is the way it is but at the same time equally true is the fact that we automatically habitually do cling So how do we not get discouraged by the fact that we, uh, or when we encounter our automatic clinging? How does this help us?
1: It's another way to ask that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think realizing that you are clinging is the first thing, and then examining the clinging itself, like why are you clinging? Because, you know, and I've thought about this a lot, we always try to make sense of the world, right? We always try, you know, if something happens to us and we we try to make sense of it, it's like, why is this happening, right? But we're coming from the perspective of how does this make sense in relation to me, to myself, right? Right. When the answer is, uh, how does this make sense? Why is this the way that it is? Well, it's the way that it is because it's the way that it is. Right? And it's it's not up, it's not the world's responsibility to conform to us, right? Because we are part of it, right? And that's the separation that we consistently make, right? When we talk about unity, everything is unified except us. Like me, the self that I am, is separated from that, right? So realizing that, like you said, we realize that, right? That's something that, that we know. And this knee-jerk reaction, this clinging, I think it's a process of almost melting away, right? You know, like water on a stone, slowly, slowly, slowly. Just realize the clinging, examine it. Realize the clinging, examine it. And then, you know, over time, you can, and it's happened to me, you can change the way that you approach things, Mm -hmm. right? Like, some of you have known, when I was Susho, I talked about, early in my career on Wall Street, Uh, My nickname was Nitro because any time something didn't go according to plan I would just freak out. Right? And that was like my default mode. And it took me a long time to um, to basically melt away that instinctive reaction. And that's just one example. Mm -hmm. You know, there were many, many examples of clinging in our lives, but that was one to me that Zen practice helped me dissolve. Right? Now I have a lot of other things that I have to dissolve too. But that was one example that I can share with people about examining what was I clinging to when I was freaking out about stuff not going according to plan, mm-hmm. right? Because I had a defined plan, a path that things needed to go, and if something deviated from that path, it was like, you know, it was like a major production, it was the end of the world. So I think it's examining the clinging and it's a long, slow process of just self-awareness of when you do cling to say okay i'm clinging now what is making this clinging happen Mm -hmm. why am i doing this right and and i think the design practice for me anyway that is that process of examining the clinging um reflecting upon it and sometimes letting it go sometimes changing it or you know just working with it Mm -hmm. um rather than just Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Thank you. So you say uh, everything in the world, everything is unified, right? Except for us, except for me. Um, Everything is unified, including me, right? That's not in question. So I don't have to unify anything. But what I need to stop doing is chopping it it up, right? So creating separations in the mind and believing them to be fixed is what I need to, we need to realize, right? And then step away from, right? And then, rest in that unity that we are. So it's not creating or or, or, uh, concocting something as much as realizing, right? We talk about this word realizing. It just means recognizing what is. Realization, right? We think it's something that is far in the distant because we make something of it. Because also we make a distinction between this and then the idea of later that I will be realized, right? As long as I have this, Gap, I have a gap. Then I am engaged in something, looking for something else, right? So when I stop being so engaged or so mesmerized by my thoughts, by my feeling, by my interpretations, then there it is, which is exactly what the Buddha realized, right? He realized how, we get, how he got caught up, how we all get caught up. And then he stepped away from that, right? And he went back into experience of unity, realizing, well, this is the way it is. And from there, we spring to se- working with separations, working with... So when it says here, don't, there's the one Dharma, not many distinctions arise from the clinging needs of the ignorant. It's not that we should not make distinctions. We should just not attach to distinctions as fixed, right? And identify with them, right? So it arises, when he says here, arises from the clinging needs of the ignorant because the ignorant creates an idea of self and the ignorant to maintain the idea of self the ignorant needs to identify with differences if i don't identify with differences i lose the self-created image of me i'm not, I'm not losing anything because there's nothing there to begin with but i lose the desire to keep creating I lose the desire to keep creating while past creations have inertia. Right, and that's
1: the separation that we talk about, right?
0: Right, yeah, Yeah. right. So then, you know, so which is what we do, right? We sit, we fold our legs, we go back to that again and again. Two, there is one dharma. We go back to that as as an experience, not a sentence. There is one dharma. Even that, too many words, right? It's just that. Then, from there, we spring to seeing distinctions. But, in a way, from a different uh, um, vantage point, so we're not so likely to get attached to them. Yeah, go ahead.
2: No, just bouncing off what you were were saying, um, Kojin, and what you were saying, what you were saying, Junior, is um, just the the examination of the clinging and how important that is, um, not just to look at it as maybe even a hindrance or something, but but looking at it as something interesting. Just expounding on that a little bit. Um, Becoming curious about that point where, not even asking why am I clinging, but asking, asking, oh, that's an interesting feeling, or that's an interesting, aspect of what I just experienced, right, and finding a way to deal with it, and finding a way to be curious about it, to dive a little bit deeper into it, and and look at it, not as a separation, obviously, but as a reaction, and then, and then, once you become self-reflective and curious about it, actually curious brings a lot of joy to it, and then you don't have to judge it. And then you're curious about it, and then you can work with it and move beyond it and dissolve, as you were saying. I I really love that analogy of the rock over and over
0: again. Yeah, to be curious without being attached, right, as a process.
3: about the Dalai Lama, true or not, that he was in France, and someone asked him about what he thought of the French Revolution, and he said, um, too soon to tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's one thing. So then there's a little curiosity about, um, well, what else is happening in this situation? What are the other perspectives? What's the other person's perspective? Who I'm so, angry at or scared of. And um, then the other thing I've been trying to do is to look inward when I'm having a strong reaction and say, well, what else is here? What else is here that doesn't feel like this and might be able to support me? And um, can I find some capacity or experience um, in myself to that can tolerate? that can tolerate the reaction that will happen. Even briefly, because, you know, I was li- we were listening to the recording of um, the last discussion, and one thing you said Jean-Yu, was, uh, I don't remember the exact words, if we can be present in sasen, even for five minutes, that is a big thing. So um, today I was sitting here, It was seeming to me like I could not be present, even for five minutes, without all these thoughts Mm -hmm. coming. And uh, I was noticing, uh, so what is it when all these thoughts are coming? Because there could be thoughts, and I could be present. But it's like the attention was more interested in the content of the thoughts than in the fact that it was just thinking. So thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: So that's the clinging needs. That's what he's talking about in terms of our, the, our clinging needs, right? Can you pass up for a second? Uh, one thing you said at uh, uh, the beginning, uh, you said it's not available to me. It's not always available to me, right? So let's, let's maybe slightly change that to, I am not seeing that it is available to me. It's like saying the ground is not available to me now, right? That's what it is. That's what we're talking about. The ground is not available to me. Because, why? Because I'm caught up, right? But that, that I mean that statement, there's something wrong with that statement, right? Again, I am so uh, hypnotized by my thoughts and emotions that I'm unable to see or to experience, right? So if I'm focused on, on Mukhan, I say, well, you know what? Koji is not available to me, mm-hmm. right? He's sitting here. He's ready. Whatever. I need something. He's there, right? But I'm focused here, so I'm not seeing him. I say, well, where were you? Right? I can look at him, what, where were you? Why did you go? Right, It's the same thing. He doesn't come and go. The ground doesn't come and go. The Dharma does not arrive and then depart because we get caught up. We get caught up, that's true. But what we realize when we are not so caught up is always, as always, will always be this way. That's the, the, the right understanding of this one Dharma. How can it come and go? I come and go in attention. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's an important uh, um, way to see, right? Different way to see that. right? Because while I may not experience it, I trust that it's there. I trust that it is supporting me. Do you see a difference? In language? In the way we think about it. In the way we think about it.
1: Yes, I
3: I see the difference in language, and yet, in the midst of life, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about sitting on the cushion. The experience is I'm not feeling curious. So, so given that I'm not feeling curious, what can I do to make the situation flow better right. and so I don't cause harm and make things worse.
0: Right. I so I'm not feeling curious. I am curious about the repetitiveness. Well that is true. I am, I am curious. Yes. I am engaged. I'm, yes. I'm engaged with the repetitive. I'm always engaged with something. I'm always putting my trust in something, right? So it, it means that the work is in shifting that. Not in, be, it's not becoming curious versus not, become, not being curious as much as watching where the attention is, right? What is dominating my attention right now? That's, that's the question, right? But, and yeah, how can I shift it? Right, right, and that's the work in, in, progr- in practice, right? So day-to-day, moment by moment, we have to keep doing that. We have to, go, we have to keep going back home, right? Not just on the cushion.
1: Yeah.
0: We're training on the cushion. But we, don't, we never stop, right. right? We keep going, we keep training. So it looks different, but so what, right? It feels different. But that should not be a deterrent for us, right? In terms of, I'm gonna keep practicing period right anyone else before we continue yeah so why don't you bring it
4: yeah just to kind of uh, piggyback on what you were just saying now um, i think something that strikes me with this and really bears mentioning is and reminding uh every you know ourselves that this is a practice in in the truest sense of the term um i think there's something funny about zen language that it's so plain and it's right there it's so obvious that it can kind of lure lure ourselves into a sense of a false sense of confidence Mm -hmm. like okay i got it Mm -hmm. and we then ditch the practice part which is what you were just saying yeah every we keep coming back to this Mm -hmm. because while it is obvious that we cling i don't think we know how many of our little fingers are still kind of Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of latched on there. Yeah, just like kind of little, like you know, like kind of hanging on by a fingernail sometimes. While we're paying attention to this, and the other hand is going to grab something else, and it's Mm -hmm. it's this constant practice of realizing that, and that's why I think the word dissolve becomes so important. Uh, And this is you know maybe just playing language games with it, but you know when you add. Water to salt, the salt doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It's no, it just becomes part of the water. <laughs> and, and so, those that's kinds cool. of elements is just like it's looking at these things of like pretty common things said by us over a course of a lifetime. I used to be that person, I'm no longer that person. It's, it's, that's where it gets murky when you start talking about a continuity of self over time and this mm-hmm. constant changing. But like, there is this energy of, It's not. It shouldn't be disheartening that this doesn't go away. It should just be matter of fact, and we work on it for lifetimes. Right. So Mm
0: -hmm. right. So so we should not let it. uh, We should not become discouraged by the fact that that that's the way it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's the way it is includes ignorance. Right we're not just talking about real <laughs> estate. Yeah, we're talking about everything. That's the way it is. This, that's the way it is. This is how things are, right? Including our propensity for ignorance and our capacity for wisdom. It's true, right? It's not I am more me when I am realized than when I'm ignorant in a way. I am expressing that. Oh, this is expressing itself through me. The completion is not is not, not there it's just that we squander it that's all so to seek the next time to seek the mind with the mind is this not a great error As it reminds me of uh, i think mazumi once was in a some kind of a discussion with some scientists or some other teachers and uh, he was asked by someone uh, if he thinks that the scientists will ever figure out the mind and he said, it's the mind using scientists to try to figure itself out.
5: <laughs>
0: so, to seek the mind with the mind, is that not a great error? One of the critical insights of the Buddhist, from the uh, commentary of the Buddhist wisdom tradition has been that you cannot think your way out of your thinking. Right? You cannot think your way out of your thinking. The trap created by language is an endless feedback loop. To, and I think we we can uh, relate to that, right? You know, because we we do sit down and turn inwardly, and we do experience this endless loop that feeds itself, right? The more we think, the more we think, right? The more we go to thought, the more thought we will encounter, right? We can't just there's no end to that. To break out of this trap requires a quantum jump rather than a linguistic structure or maybe restructure right a quantum jump so and this is where we say it's often say it's radical the genius of zen was to discover that language could be used to turn itself back upon itself in that sense zen tradition has a distrust of language but not a rejection it's a good point right mm-hmm distrust of language. Like, you know, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look at the way I'm using it. I'm also going to look at the way I'm hearing it, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's how this distrust should manifest for us, right? Um, it's not a suspicion of, I don't want to use it. It's a question of, how am I using it? It is, uh, it is convinced that language can be used, Zen is convinced language can be used in creative ways to see its own limitations. Right to see its own limitation. Right. So when we understand the limitation of the mind, the thinking mind, right, or language, we are actually, I think, we are going to use it much better. Right. We are also less likely to be attached to it because we understand. We understand the reason for language. Maybe that's better. Right. We 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 need language. The question is, why do we need language? Right. If we understand that language is a way for us to work together, right? Communicate with one another, express different things, then we use it in the way that it is meant to be used. It is not meant to define us. It is meant to allow us to express ourselves. But we use it to try to define us, and that's where we get caught up often because we can't, right? Because those definitions are not going to... are pale in, 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 in... in terms of the way they, kept, they they cannot capture who we are. It's another way to say that, right? Any language will not ca- any word will not capture your true essence. So then, yeah. So to see its own limitations. Uh, if you have some to say, I'm gonna go through the next one, and you, we can go back to that. Just keep a mental note of it if you wanna say a few words about it. In delusion. Chaos and stillness arise. In enlightenment, there is no desire and aversion. Rest is another translation. Rest and unrest derive from illusion. With enlightenment, there is no liking or disliking. In commentary, we have a tendency to blame our condition of unrest slash stress on external conditions. But well, it's not even a tendency, you know, we are convinced, right? It's not just why I have a tendency. This is how we function, right? We blame our condition of unrest and stress and restfulness on external conditions. This is why I feel the way I feel. I, of course, I'm going to be stressed out. How else, how, what else do you expect me to do in relation to this situation? Or to this person. Right? So it makes perfect sense in uh, logically speaking, in the mind. It is only this or that, oh sorry, if only this or that were different, I would be perfectly content. Who's not saying that? In our opposite thinking, we create a condition of rest as the absence of unrest. That's the culprit right? We create a condition, we create one as opposed to the other, then we are naturally going to bounce between the two. Long for one and run away from another. It's very real. But what we're really saying in that is that we want the stress to go away. We don't want the notion of rest to go away because that's our fallback position. We are equally unwilling to see that unrest derives from the imperative of longing, clinging, becoming in our lives. We somehow have the illusion that if the undesirable stresses will go away, we can continue to hold on to those things that we desire. I'll read that again. We somehow have the illusion that if undesirable stresses will go away, we can continue to hold on to those things that we desire recipe for suffering. It is, isn't it? The recipe for suffering. That's how we create suffering. And then, even that, we blame on external conditions. But as we have been discussing, if equanimity becomes calcified as an indefinable place of resting, it becomes both a cause and result of one's ignorance. Authentic equanimity means a complete letting go of all likes and dislikes without any traces remaining. Only then does equanimity become a place of resting. So long as rest and unrest are categories of conceptual self-referentiality, one moves farther and farther away from equanimity. So the way we search for equanimity... The way we try to get away from suffering is, is causing more suffering. Right? The way we try to escape suffering becomes the cause of the next suffering. So something's wrong with the way we are living our lives, right? Something is wrong with the way we are interacting with life, is what he's saying. So it's quite loaded, so... Let's see where we're at but before we speak I would like to open it up to those who have not shared yet and then we go back to everybody and on Zoom please if you need to speak, if you want to share something, please unmute and go for it. Okay, Major. Hello. Okay, so just identify yourself, don't cling to that.
6: I didn't know it was me. Um, I'm I'm Jorge from um, your me. One thing that you brought up earlier about um, cleaning and making sure to acknowledge your claim. Um, she you said the word quantum, and that's what I work in. And I wanted to share that um, our, our systems are super super sensitive. We're doing something so small, and it's extremely important to calibrate over and over and over again. And if you do the best calibration that you can do, whatever, um, you have to do it again the next day because something might have changed. And so that makes me think of being aware of your own clinging and making sure that even if you are confident and even if you think that you have reached the point that you need to be at, well, the next day, something might have happened, you know? Um, Someone turned on their cell phone or something, and now you have to recalibrate it. So I thought that was an interesting way to um, connect that to retain.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that. Great. You can pass the microphone.
7: were little and he was married and every time I had a celebration or something, I didn't have anybody here except for one sister and I wanted her to be part and represent, you know? So I was so caught up with the desire of wanting to have someone there to represent my side that I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on in her life. And, um, I was always expecting, expecting, expecting her to show up and be there and she would her her life was so caught up and she was under her own situation and stress that she would forget and she wouldn't show up. So I was starting to get angry and build resentment <laughs> towards that. And I was like, you what the hell? You know, it's only once a year or it's the her nephews and all these situations. I always show up to what she does for my nephews and and it was just building that, and I was I, I was clinging to that desire of having to be there. And then I had to, like, okay, what can I do different that could maybe salvage the relationship? Because if I continue with these feelings, you know, it's going to ruin the relationship, right? So I sent out the invitation. I sent out the time and everything, but I didn't expect her to show up. I didn't. I didn't expect her to get her. If she shows up, that, that's my gift. That's like a surprise, right? And when that happened, and she was able to, it was such a totally different feeling because I had let go of that other expectation, so now it was a gift. And and, and it really made me realize that you can't control other people's behaviors and what's going on in their life and how they're going to show up or not show up or whatever we can only pretty much control how we react to it and what our expectations for the other people are right so that really helped me with that situation you know not to cling to a certain outcome that I have in my mind for a need that I feel that I I needed to have it wasn't my party it was for my child you know and they, they don't really pay that much attention you keep it the cake like, and gifts and they're fine but the one that was holding on to a story or to a situation it was me right so yeah that really helped me and that, that kind of helped me put that connection like mm-hmm. our expectations of what we want for people and and how we cling to certain outcomes that we want to see and then we suffer for it and we suffer and sometimes we even ruin relationships because of it
0: right so yeah that's what right, and also, so, so these are the, the nuts and bolts of, of uh, suffering, yes. right? So, and also the nuts and bolts of the, self, the, 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 the self-creation, right? Yeah. Or creating oneself. So we don't just create ourselves one time, right? We actually create ourselves on the go. We create a separate sense of self and the illusion on the go right, How, by reacting to things, by demanding, by asking the world to give me this and not give me that, we, we keep creating ourselves. And, and in a way, that's the only way to sustain an illusion, right, because if I don't sustain the illusion today, the illusion of yesterday dissipates. It dissipates, right, it dissolves into today. So, in order to keep it alive, in order to keep me alive, to keep me alive upon all of you, right, the illusion of me, I have to keep judging, complaining, uh, doing what I'm doing, saying what I'm saying, so the world knows who I am, so I know who I am, right? Because it echoes back to me, right? When I complain about something, it echoes back to me, it's like, oh yeah, I know, I'm the one who's complaining against this. By definition, by implication, I'm better than that, right? Because I'm complaining. Right, so obviously, I'm saying I'm not saying anything about you. I'm saying something about me. Mm-hmm. Underlying that, so we we the point is we keep recreating ourselves, right? And and so the other thing is, which uh, I want to open it up again, but just one uh, question. So when we, it's natural. So we's talking about stress or, or unstress or being rest at a restful state or unrest. So we we look for we look we wait for things all the time right whether it's you know travel a job a promotion a job right if we don't have a job uh school right whatever it is right we, we we have an idea of i'm gonna go through that i'm gonna get it how it's gonna be i don't know what kind of a job i'm gonna get uh a bill that's gonna come up I don't know how i'm gonna pay it right so all those things create those stresses right and we get caught up in that and that's the loop But with that, in terms of practice, there is a, you know, Joshua asked a very important question, can you appreciate, can you value this without reservations, right? A question that we need to have on the go all the time. Can I value this without reservations? And if we examine honestly, we're gonna realize that it is a rarity actually to say yes, because most times we say no, Because, and we don't just say no. We say no and we explain to ourselves and others why I can't. I can't because I did not yet get the job, the promotion, the money, the thing, the whatever. I'm not going to appreciate this. I'm not going to value this. But what kind of value is Joshua talking about? Not the see, the made up value is always going to be, we're always going to be deficient we're always going to be deficient. There is never a point of I'm enough because there will be the next thing that will create the stress and the next thing and the next thing. And and then what happens is that we reject life. We reject life for an idea of something that we think will give us what we need, not realizing that we, we are what we need. So we have to ask, is this not important now, or will this only be important if I get what I want or I feel the way I want to feel today? Because if I don't feel the way I want to feel, I don't want to appreciate this. There's no value in this moment. That's how we create suffering. It's actually very simple. Not, not, not simple in terms of doing it, it's, it's complex. but. The teachings are simple. One second. Um, anyway, anything about that? Uh, yeah, Eric. I have a
8: question, if I can.
0: Yeah, can you pass it on to the Eric? The
8: first part of this um, sentence. In delusion, chaos and stillness arise. Right. I, can you explain that I, I don't quite
0: get it. The two right. arise from, so, so having one as opposed to the other is a creation. We create that, as soon as we create something, we create its opposite. Okay. Right? So, in delusion, the chaos and stillness arise. Right? Because we are, not, we are not residing in a state of equanimity. A state of equanimity is not about this or that. It contains it all. Okay. When it contains it all, there are no opposites. Right, so, so, Varukana Buddha, I am life force and I am destruction, right? Virukana Buddha, right, is the, the white color that includes all colors, right? The depiction of that. Everything is included. I am life force and I am destruction. So it's not this as opposed to that. That's the, but yeah, good question, thank you. Anyone else uh, that has not yet shared anything?
9: I could say that I could say a couple things. Oh, sorry. Go. No. Uh, uh, yeah. This. Um, uh, this is coming to, to mind in terms of. Uh, I guess what 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 we could call like FOMO in terms of fear missing out that, that I think a lot of us experience uh, from time to time. Um, it's it's very relevant in my life right now as I'm um, mothering a young Sammy here and um, somebody called it like he's getting older and there's like more and more kind of coming on uh, on the carousel of of my life right now like there's more elements coming in and there's also more invitations to go out in the world and there's so many interruptions to the flow if you quote unquote interruptions to the flow um, moment by moment right even here right now um, as I'm here, sitting here, but um, so I, I, it's a it's a really <laughs> um, this is a good this passage is helpful as a reminder to um, continue to kind of watch my desire to uh, you know what I want or don't want right and to, uh, to to do or not do something or to join or not join something um, and uh, and I, I you know even just in the last week or two right I like i wasn't able to go to a thing because i needed to take care of him and i i saw i saw i saw the, uh, <laughs> I saw the phone go sort of rise and, and and then i let it i let it fall too and i, I kind of lean toward sorry lean toward really enjoying the day the evening with sam and it really makes a difference um for me to you know and i don't always succeed in in, in making that Making that turn toward what is rather than what isn't or what I want. Um, I guess there's something in the language of what is, what is here, that's helping me lately with that. Um, you know, I think clinging consent sometimes comes up with what isn't here or what we think we're supposed to have or supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But um, what is 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 helpful. I don't think that's the whole picture either. I, I really appreciated everyone's comments today about you know, what, what's sort of helpful for them? Mm-hmm. Especially that, um, I'm sorry, I, I missed your name, um, about uh, pal- recalibrating. was um, that worth
0: oh, Jorge? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Jorge, Me. Okay.
6: Jorge.
9: Um, yeah, I, I like that that, I mean, that, that really resonates, it rhymes even with what uh, Roshi was saying about, you know, we, we distrust language, but don't reject it, right? We, we maybe distrust the calibration, but we don't reject it. We, we continue to do it out all the time, as often as possible. Right,
0: yeah. right. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just reminded, um, when you were mentioning words, right, and how we claim because, probably because we have feelings, so many feelings and things that are tied to it, so many desires that are tied to it, and what came to my mind, actually, when, when, um, when I was teaching in middle school last year when we began, we had PD about um, chat GPT. And I was very, very curious about chat GPT, right? So I became like chat GPT's like, communicator, right? So I decided to experiment with it a little bit. And so I went on chat GPT, this AI thing, right? and um it was interesting what what really came to mind was that um what we add to it is what we cling to right because if i tell chat gpt if i tell ai that i'm depressed or i'm feeling sad i'm sorry you're feeling sad here are some things you can do to Mm -hmm. reduce your anxiety right or i'm really nervous about my interview here are some things you can do to reduce your anxiety, and here are some interview questions, You know, So it'll, it'll bounce back at you. It's using words. It's a thing, right, that we've programmed, but that they've programmed, but it, it bounces back at you without emotion, without, let me help you, you know, with these words. And I was just thinking in like, terms of words being tools and not aspects of our claim they don't have to be filled with emotion. I mean, not that we shouldn't experience emotion, we should, but that we don't have to cling to it and then become defined by it. So I thought it was really
0: interesting. They also, uh, uh, words can show us uh, clinging, right? So, okay, show us what we cling, um, which is good because we can reveal something. So one thing about chaos, uh, chaos, uh, Eric uh, and Asa. So the thing with that is, uh, there's no problem with chaos there's problem with chaos in in relation to non-chaos right because if chaos is all there is it's fine right if the whole, so so when there is chaos the whole world is chaotic that's it the whole world i can't i can't go anywhere wherever i go there's chaos right then then it's fine the problem with that is i don't i want something else Right? I want something else. I want to feel the way I felt yesterday. That's a problem. Because then I am bringing an illusion to reality. I'm bringing a made up something into reality as it is. And I'm saying, I want this to be superimposed on reality. Right? And I want this to change reality right now. Right? I have my preferences and this doesn't go along with that. So the hell with reality. Right? That's what we say. We have to be honest. Because what we're saying is the hell with reality. The hell with life as it is. I want it to fit me. Last week we talked, well last couple weeks ago, we talked about how uh, ignorant, no ignorant, sorry, uh, how we are. Um, we think highly of ourselves, right? And we, we demand that the world will change based on that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about that, and that's a continuation of that. And we have to, exa- we have to realize that we do it. Anyway, anyone else before we continue? Yes, Pixie.
5: I'll project. I can project.
0: Okay, please. Thank you. Yes.
5: Other beings. Well, we can't do that if we say suffering exists. We have to work towards some change. We I feel like we do. Um, just stopping eating other animals is a change that I'm making, Mm -hmm. but it's improving, I hope. Something out there, Mm -hmm. right? So we all make these vows. Well, that's changing reality. I guess I'm asking you to discuss this. What I'm seeing as a disconnect between accepting reality and then working to change the parts of reality we don't feel are fair, equitable.
0: Right. So, so there is only one dharma, right? There are no two dhammas, right? So, whatever change we are working on, creating is not going to make this a different kind of dharma the dharma is one right the dharma includes it all right what i was saying before our propensity for ignorance our capacity for wisdom right so and not and one way to see that to actually explain that is that with with realization when when a person realizes oneness does not increase when a person acts as deluded oneness does not decrease right that's very important to understand, or to realize that nothing will essentially change fundamentally, right? But what will change is suffering, right? So that's where, and this is helpful in terms of not identifying with the cause, not becoming a, a crusader of the cause, because that's very dangerous. I'm the one who's working for the welfare of all creations. No, you're not. Because you're not there. Nobody is there to work for the welfare of all creation. Now we can work for the welfare of all creation without being vested in it. You see, it's not negating the the efforts. It's just infusing the, the efforts with nothingness. Right? You see it in... Right, well, right, but that's where practice comes in, Right. So it's divesting you, you from the one who is doing. Then you're free to do. The problem is not the doing, as much as the doer are part of the doing. That's the culprit, that's where we get caught up, right? Because I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy, I'm here to create goodness and you are getting in my way creating chaos. Okay. So then what's the difference between the other side saying the same thing about me? What's the difference? Well, because my cause is better.
5: No, I get what you're saying about removing the ego, for lack of a better word, but I'm going to ask John, so Bonhoeffer, who was fabulous, <laughs> and I love you. him, was a pacifist, but he went to Germany to try to assassinate Hitler. Mm.
0: Does that example mean? Uh, so you're asking, you're asking about uh, killing?
5: I'm asking about removing yourself when you're, when you're faced with great evil or faced with great suffering.
0: Right. So when we study precepts, uh-huh. we study them, uh, most of you know that, we study them from three perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. The first is black and white. Do, do not. Right? Simple. Simple, to, not simple, but simple to grasp. The second is the relational, the compassionate perspective. Sometimes killing is the way to maintain non-killing. So it has to do with the time, situation, amount, people involved, whatever circumstances we encounter. It has to do with that. And that has to do with removing oneself as a fixed entity. I know what's right, I know what's wrong. I don't know. I don't know because it changes. So sometimes, Killing is maintaining non-killing. It doesn't make it easier, but it makes it more real. Right? We want easy. Right? So Ten Commandments are easy. Easy to follow, easy to cheat, right? It makes it easier to function. Right? Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about is a much more alive, those are called living vows. They're alive. Right? So we can just superimpose our ideas on life. Mm-hmm. Um, did you want to say something? no <coughs> Wait, wait, wait. <coughs> <I> <coughs> I'm, I'm going to give you the microphone before you do. You can clear your throat meanwhile. I
1: think
4: we
8: should have asked an overhead mic that would move around. Yes. Why not? Right. <laughs> Even in that case... Um, a righteous killing is still a killing, so Bonhoeffer would still be responsible for killing somebody like Nansen was responsible for killing the cat. It's not that you, that you get out of jail free somehow for, for doing that procedure. Um, anyway, but what, what I'm more interested in saying is there's a number of different pieces floating around which I think are connecting for me in some way. One is um, curiosity and play. Play, I think, is very similar to curiosity, and that what um, helps me in that situation is that they're process more than product. They're not interested in accomplishing something. I'm going to play tennis this afternoon. Um, I might win, I might lose, and I don't really care whether i win or lose because I'm interested in playing tennis. Um, and if it's a good game, it's not that I'm going to lose, it's that everybody had, put their all into it and so on. Um, So that process, um, without product and without problem solving, and curiosity for us almost always gets attached to problem solving, Mm -hmm. and that if we can engage in it in some way that takes it out of product and out of problem solving, and maybe the play images Helpful in doing that. Um, and the, the chaos and um, stillness. Um, what hit me with that was chaos, I think, is the belief that there's no order in the world and therefore we can kind of do whatever we want. Um, and stillness is, I think, that we understand the order of the world and therefore everything that we do is what should be done. And um, the dharma is, is um, a source of order, that there is an order in the world. Um, and that this um, kind of the chutzpah, believing that you know, we can understand that there's no order or that we can understand, that we actually understand what the order is, um, seem to be these twin evils that we're constantly tempted by, that we um, We know there's no order, therefore, you know, everybody cheats on their taxes, therefore I can cheat on my taxes, because taxes is a totally disorderly, chaotic place, something like that. Um, And um, I guess the end of all this, for me, is um, we live in time, and therefore the next moment is always going to be coming. it can bring either fear or hope with it, um, which are the two aversions and desires in some way. And so how to meet that moment in time um, in its own terms without imposing the next moment on it or the past moment on it and somehow to come clean to that moment with whatever it needs. Um, So, I think some of these pieces, curiosity and play, are
0: certainly going to be a piece of it. Um, process, getting the ego out of it. Um, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Can you pass on? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. the next moment. Right. So, so oh, you talk about open-ended curiosity, right? Not, not goal-oriented curiosity. Not something that has some kind of a finite uh, way of seeing it, right, um, but, but the, the world is chaotic, but you know it's really the world seems chaotic to us right it's not if you go to the forest, you walk around, you go hiking, it looks like a mess, right it, everything is everything is on everything, you know this is on top of that, you know, and the leaves everywhere right it, it doesn't look like your backyard maybe or. Maybe it does look like some people's backyard. But (laughs) but anyway, so to the eyes, to our eyes, it looks disorganized. It seems disorganized. It is highly organized, but not to me. And we are quite arrogant, right? That, well, it's not organized. To who? What is this? Right? So if I drop away my idea of what's organized, it's perfectly organized but I don't want to drop my idea of organization, right? I don't want to let go, right? So then that, and so that's that sort of curiosity tied together with that, to change it to just being curious without parameters. I'm just curious. When you walk around the forest with that attitude, you're curious, you're not passing judgment. Your mind may say this is disorganized, but I say, yeah, I know, come, we're going that way, right? We have to know how to deal with the mind, our our minds, not to take it so seriously. Not to try to shut it down or off, but to tell it, come, we're going that way now. You can join if you want. Or you can stay here and wine. Right? Anyway, yeah.
4: Yeah, Just a a quick aside, uh, because what you said reminded me of something I stumbled across yesterday called chaos gardening. Uh uh, Where it's when you have like, little bits of seeds left over that you can't really like, put out or they're old, uh, you just throw it all in a bag and just kind of toss it around and whatever comes up, comes up, and it actually kind of, to what extent I can't really verbalize because I don't know, but it does encourage permaculture <laughs> in some capacity, So, but I just like the term chaos gardening, so that's kind of why I clipped onto it, but I thought it was fun. Ooh.
1: Mm -hmm. isn't that what the forest does does? (laughs) essentially (laughs) for a long time it's been
0: been doing exactly that alright so we're going to read another uh, another line and then uh, wrap it up with that open it up and wrap it up with that the duality of all things comes from false discrimination dreams, illusions like flowers in the sky how can they be worth grasping how can they be worth grasping? Or another translation, all dualities come from ignorant inference. They are like dreams or flowers in the air. Foolish, try to grasp, to grasp them. The commentary, all our preferences are based on some kind of uh, assign, uh, assignations of value to each so to each preference, right? So what we do, all our preferences. what we talked we just talked about that, right? So I walk around in the forest, right? And I have preferences. I prefer things to be organized. This is bothering me, right? And that's why, so we try to force that on the forest, right? Or in reality itself, right? So we assign value to each preference. We impute a certain value to things of the world and make an investment accordingly. These assignments are nothing but projections of our deep conditionings. This is our delusion, our ignorance. We delude ourselves into thinking that our preferences are rational, independent and worthwhile, all the while ignorant of the underlying processes of inferences and projections. Right, so, so our inferences are actually underlined, they're automatic, right? So what we wanna do is do our best to become aware of the automatic inference, right? So I see something, I designate it as something and then I react to that designation. So in a way, I'm not reacting to what I'm seeing, I'm reacting to my own designation, to my own inference. So it's a loop, right? I see something, it feeds something in me to which I then react and then blame the world for that. Right? The classic example of inference is from the Indian philosophical tradition, a person seeks a snake-like, sees a snake-like shape in the dark and gets frightened out of his wits. When he lights up a lamp and looks closely, he finds that what he thought to be a snake was actually a caught up, caught up rope. But the fright had, truly, ef- had a truly effective impact on the mind-body system, already had an effect on it, right? The inference of the rope as a snake brought up the primordial fear of death and dying. It brought it up, regardless of the fact that he saw afterwards when the light came on, he saw that it wasn't that, there is still that as a reaction, right? Uh, In a reaction to that, to what he thought he saw. In the same way, when we live in a world of dualities and make investment in those dualities based on preferences for likes and dislikes, we are letting each preference and its inherent inference as something of value impact our mind-body system as injurious ways, so it injures us in one way or another. When the illuminative nature of prajna wisdom is brought to bear upon these preferences, inferences and projections, they are found to be dependently arising and are seen nothing more than dreams or flowers in the air already in the process of falling down. Already in the process of dissolving. But then what makes them stick around or subsist is our clinging. So that there may be a feeling of fright, which may be very real, right? But that feeling will subside, is subsiding. But if I assign further designations to that and then react to that, then it, it keeps feeding it. The more you think and talk, the more you go astray. That's what we do. The more we think and talk about our thoughts and words, the more we go astray. So, yeah, we still have about 10 minutes or so. How do we feel about that? Is it it encouraging? Yes. It's Dion here. Dion. Excuse me. I'm Dion
6: today and (laughs) Katsui. Um, What's interesting to me is how we succumb to our our five senses and how uh, we get bogged down in trying to, as in practitioners, to negate those five senses. Um, but it's, it's a constant, every day, all day thing to work with them. Um, I think at times when I remember, I'm just a hammer. <laughs> like when, when, I, when I think about those things and when I process it that way this is this is my animal mind doing these things thinking about these things I don't know sometimes it alleviates um, my discrimination um, there there are moments when I do it encounter uh, you know daily actions of others and even myself and I'm just like yeah I, I don't want to excuse me, participate in this because I know where this is coming from. It's coming from perhaps how I'm physically feeling about something. Um, it's something that I've been observing in the last couple of years now. Uh, I feel like a lot of discrimination on my part comes from that. And it's interesting trying to alleviate it on a deep basis. It's just, I just find it interesting that we are born into this, this, um, reality with all these, it seems like infinite points of touch and feel, taste and all this stuff. And then we're told we need to work through it and just be on about your business. <laughs> I just find that interesting. Um, sometimes it can feel daunting, but yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so experience, but make nothing off it, right? That's the practice, the process. Experience all the senses, but we, make, we work on making nothing off it, right? We work on letting go when we do cling in relation to that, right? Because, again, it's not the senses. We talked about it last time. It's not the senses that create the problem. It's not the words that create the problem, right? It's the way we use them. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone that uh, has not yet shared anything that would like to share? We do like to hear from everybody.
2: Uh oh, that means call. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding,
0: I'm any questions? Any thoughts? Any? you? Is he? Did he raise can his you hand? Him. You may be muted. No, can't hear. Me?
2: Did something happen the around.
0: Right? Okay. He's trying to figure out while he's trying to figure out anyone else wants to say anything. Add to that. Okay, well, you may need to write to us about that. Yeah, there may be a problem with, uh, with the sound.
9: He uh, said there's something wrong with my microphone and probably need to restart my computer.
0: Okay, that's okay. Oh, you okay. can uh, share it with us uh, by email. Okay, thank you. Okay, so we will continue next time uh, from this point. And uh, if, You know, if something comes to you that uh, as a result of this discussion today that you want to share, feel free to share it by email or Discord, okay, so everybody can benefit from that. Also to to give yourself this opportunity to, to, to practice sharing, right, it's very important because we all learn, we learn from each other, we learn from hearing about each other's challenges, Right, revelations, it's very important. Yes, Connie. I have something
10: to share. Please. Um, okay, so I'm Connie. I think it's okay. And um, I guess I, I heard something before that, you know, when we have, well, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. So whenever, when I was younger, I had a lot of thoughts and it was, I hated it. And I actually thought I was very abnormal. I didn't know other people had thoughts like running, you know, like I, maybe mine were especially loud and this is pretty intimate, but I ended up taking drugs to quiet my mind for whatever reason and I was like asking God to quiet my mind because I felt like I could never be present, I couldn't listen to anybody. and. I wanted to be like a dog. I was like, a dog thinks in pictures. You know, that's more real. These words are like just social constructs and it's just torturing me. And I would get stuck in my emotions. So I took these drugs and for whatever reason, I don't know if it was from asking God or whatever, I went through like a seizure, a coma, and my mind became very quiet. You know, now it's like very different, okay? And I wish, that we had t- I had known that it was more normal like I really thought I was the only one that was tortured or maybe one of the few I, I thought most people had like a mirror mind. I actually thought that was normal and I was abnormal. Mm-hmm. so um, now I've worked for whatever reason now the one thing I struggle with I went from one extreme to another. So when I was younger, I was really impulsive, I would get upset a lot, angry, sad. Now, I feel like I I don't get that. So the problem is, is when I don't have these emotions, I can't tell my boundaries because I'm okay with everything. So I don't know, unless somebody is like physically, I know somebody physically hits me, that's not okay. Other than that boundary, I can like live. I'm like okay, which is abnormal. Also, I think. Well, I'm just saying I don't have those those emotions to tell me. Oh, you know, maybe like I need to say something or speak up or do something. I don't really have that. I'm just kind of like sitting here, like you know, listening and you know, seeing what's going on. So, so that's kind of like what I struggle with is boundaries because I. I'm okay, unless somebody is physically attacking me, I don't have a problem. I'm okay with everything, usually. Yeah, can be. <laughs> so that's what I wanted
0: to share. Thank you, yeah, so you know, we have to, something to examine is, you know, boundaries uh, in general, right? It's a good, it's a very important topic, right? To examine that. Sometimes we need to loosen up, sometimes tighten up, right? So that's the question, do I need to loosen up or tighten up? Right to examine, you know, how am I living my life? So but thank you. Okay, four bounce.